Amen. Amen. Well, we continue our We Believe series today. And today we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Baptism of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) That is awesome. (laughs) Woo! Well, let's see what this Holy Spirit is all about. Um, We believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the incoming of the promised comforter in mighty and glorious fullness to endue the believer with power from on high. We believe he exists to glorify and exalt the Lord Jesus, to give inspired utterance and witnessing of him, to foster the spirit of prayer, holiness, sobriety, to equip the individual, including you and me and the church for practical, efficient, joyous, spirit filled, soul winning in the fields of life. And this being still the dispensation of the Holy Spirit, the believer may have every reason, every reason to expect his incoming to be after the same manner as that in which he came upon both Jew and Gentile alike in Bible days, as is recorded in the word that it may be truly said of us, as in the house of Cornelius, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. That's what we believe. And I, and I could do... I could really preach on this for years. I, I could do a four-week series on it easily. There's just so much to cover. Definitely not going to hit it all today, but I would encourage you buckle up. We are going to be going just like whatever movie that was. We're going to be in high gear because I want to cover a lot of information today. And I'm praying that by the Holy Spirit, this information would transition from information to transformation by the power of the Holy Spirit. For LifeSpring, this intentional receiving of His power and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. It is vital. It is so important to us. And I want to be clear from the very beginning, it is the power and it is the fullness of the Spirit that effectively enables us to be witnesses to this world. The witnesses, by the way, that Jesus has commanded us to be. The Holy Spirit gives us what we need to live a godly life, to be able to see and to hear God. And then we see and hear God and then we're able to testify not only with our lips but with our lives to the world what we have seen and what we have heard. I do not know how you would live the Christian life without Him. And so we receive this fullness of the Holy Spirit and and as we do, we begin to see every area, every aspect of the Christian walk come alive. Isn't that the exciting part? of receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you just begin to see things come alive. You begin to see the manifestation of prophetic gifts. You begin to see this increased power in worship. Everyone say power. Power. An increased power in worship, an increased power in our prayer, and an increased power in our evangelism. I want to start today, uh, this morning, by turning to the book of Acts. And we're going to be in chapter 2. The book of Acts is in the New Testament, right after the four Gospels. Written by Luke. Remember Peter, in this second chapter of Acts, he preaches this amazing sermon. And in this sermon, he quotes the prophet Joel. And this is what he says. He says, in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit And they shall prophesy. Peter, he declares on this day of Pentecost that we are in the last days. And when the prophet Joel has spoken about 
He's telling us that, yeah, what he said, it has now come to pass. Peter declares that God is now pouring out his spirit on all believers, everyone, young, old, men, women, all of us now would be living by the spirit. We would be prophesying. We would be dreaming God-sized dreams. We would be having these visions, prophetic visions, and we would be living a life truly led by the spirit. As you continue to read the book of Acts, you see several examples of this Holy Spirit being poured out on Jesus' followers. And this morning, it's my desire, and more importantly, I believe God's desire, that His Holy Spirit would be poured out on all of us. That everyone in this church would experience the intentional reception of the Holy Spirit baptism, where we would be baptized by Him, open to being led by Him, and that we would see His power on display in our lives like never before. God wants that for every person in this room. Over the past 10 years of being a pastor, one of my greatest joys has been to pray for those who desire to be baptized in the Spirit. I love it when Christians come to a place in their lives, it's usually a place of discontentment where they say, you know what, I I want more. I'm not satisfied. I want all that you would have for me, Lord. I don't want to hold back. I don't want to play it safe. And so I grant you permission, Holy Spirit, to be unleashed in my life like a flood, an overflowing spring. Would you come forth in my life? I've noticed in the last 10 years that the devil has seemed to do something just terrible with this idea of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's just made the whole thing so scary. This good gift from God. Such a terrifying idea. This wonderful opportunity we have to be baptized in the Spirit. The experience of speaking in tongues. It has become this topic that some feel they can't even bring up or can't discuss. It's like the ugly stepchild of Christianity. And of course, you know, it hasn't stopped me. I would just say, get behind me, Satan, right? There's too much joy to be found in the fullness of the Spirit. Too much abundant life to be found in the Spirit. There is freedom to be found for everyone who lives by the power of the Spirit. And it kind of feels like all the debates and the arguments that we have in a way, they, they just they, they take away the joy of receiving God's Spirit. We argue and we fight when all along God is waiting patiently Saying, son, daughter, I am the father of good gifts and I want to give you the gift of my spirit. Give me permission and I will flood your souls with power from on high. As you study scripture, that is exactly what you see that God desires to do. He desires to baptize us by his Holy Spirit. The expression baptized in or baptized with the Holy Spirit is found in all four Gospels. According to the Gospels, we see John the Baptist and he emphasized that the one who was coming after him would not only baptize with water, but he'd baptize in the Holy Spirit. Matthew 3.11. John is speaking. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. In the Gospel of Luke and in Acts, this baptism in the Spirit, it refers to this coming upon of the Spirit. Remember, when Jesus is baptized by John, he is anointed and the Holy Spirit comes upon him in the form of a dove. Towards the end of Luke, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says they will be anointed with a supernatural power to be his witnesses. In Luke chapter 24, verse 49, Jesus says, I'm leaving. I got to go. I'm out of here. But I'm out of here so that you can receive the Holy Spirit. He says, behold, I am sending The promise of my father upon you, but stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. Stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. Disciple. Stay in the city until you're clothed 
with power from on high. Does anyone else just love that idea? That as his disciple, that he, it's a promise. He said, I want you to receive the promise, Wayne. And I'm going to clothe you with power from on high. It is such a joyous idea and experience and gift. And in the book of Acts, that's what you see. It's exactly what happens. The book of Acts, the Spirit is poured out on His disciples. We call the day of Pentecost and this coming of the Spirit and power. You begin to see it formulating and creating something. It, it enables this beautiful and prophetic community of early Christians. It's this community where everyone is full of the Spirit. They've all been baptized by the Spirit, living by the power of the Spirit. And it's in this community where people are actually praying for one another. People are helping one another. They're loving one another, serving one another, meeting each other's needs. I want you to get that, that this community that is built, this early church, it is a Spirit-led community. Doesn't that sound wonderful? If you've read the book of Acts, for me, it just gets me so excited. My, my heart longs for that community. And in so many ways, I believe that's what God is doing here at LifeSpring. Wouldn't you agree? The community that God is beginning to stir up and build here. I want you to know that sometimes we kind of think it's abnormal. It's, that's supposed to be the normal way of the Christian life. If you want to live in a real Christian community, according to God's design, then it needs to be in an environment where the Holy Spirit is alive and well, where he's welcome, where he's active in the body, where he's empowering the body to be all that God has designed it to be. The good news, and there is some good news in the house this morning, is that just like in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit is still in the business and the work of baptizing people. Did you know that in the year 2015, every day, it's not like he does it every once in a while, every day around this world in 2015, people are being baptized by his Holy Spirit. And as he baptizes us, he enables us to be able to see and hear the things of God and then be able to testify about them to the world with our lips, but also with our lives, just like they did 2000 years ago. Also, the Holy Spirit is not a New Testament thing. If you remember my message on the Trinity, the, co- the Holy Spirit is co-eternal. He is coexisting with God the Father and God the Son. And in the Old Testament, you see the Holy Spirit's presence and you see His, His work. You, you see it right at the very beginning, right? In creation, you see the Holy Spirit. You also see Him in stories of, of many of the characters in the Old Testament. He shows up in the lives of Saul and the life of David. You see Him in the lives of the, of the prophets and the lives of the judges. Now, we talked about the new covenant in the blood of Jesus last week, but under the old covenant, it would have been where certain prophets, certain priests and kings, they would have the spirit come upon them, anointing them for service. That's what you see in first Samuel 16. Uh, listen to this. You, you know the story. It's a great story. Then Samuel comes to Jesse and he says, all, are all your sons here? Goes, eh, not, not necessarily. There remains yet the youngest, but he's, you know, he's taking care of the sheep. Samuel says to Jesse, send him, <clears throat> get him. We're not going to even sit before he comes. So they, they bring in this guy. He's looking pretty good. Beautiful eyes. Handsome. Kind of like, you know, me. But um, and then we no, just, that was awful. Get behind me, Satan. Sorry about it. And then the Lord says, arise, anoint him for this is he. And then look what happens. Then Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord was the spirit of the Lord. Do it. What does it say? It says, that isn't, of all the words they could have used, they used rush. Have you ever been rushed by the Spirit? I love that. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. 
So the Holy Spirit would come upon these men and these women. But then Jesus comes, the perfect prophet, the perfect priest and king. He comes on the scene to these waters of Jordan and he has the Spirit come upon him and he's anointed to conduct his ministry. And as a result of Jesus' death and his resurrection and his ascension, compared to what happened in, to those select few in the Old Testament, Peter now is saying, quoting the prophet Joel, he's telling us that all believers may receive this coming upon in God's Spirit. This coming upon in power. The Spirit is now poured out on all believers in power. Aren't you excited to be living on this side of the cross where there is the baptism of the Holy Spirit and it is available to everyone who would want to receive them? Amen? Amen. So with this topic of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there's a lot of questions. I have a lot of questions and I'm sure that you do as well. So I'm going to try to answer as many of those as I can this morning. So number one, what is the purpose of the baptism in the Holy Spirit? So before ascending into heaven, Jesus, he spends some time with his disciples. This is after his resurrection. Now he's hanging out with his disciples and he gives them some instruction. He's eating with them and then he gives this gives them this command. He says, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John, my good friend, he baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then he ascends into heaven, and then this promised baptism happens on the day of Pentecost. Tongues of fire on the people. And they began to speak in tongues and to prophesy. And the purpose of this baptism was to give them a spiritual power. A spiritual power for living, for loving, for serving, a power to be a witness to this world for Christ. And it's exactly what Jesus tells them in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, you're going to receive power. Say power. power. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And this power that comes with the Holy Spirit baptism As you read the Bible, you see it is so very important to the early church. Even as you read the history of the early church, so important. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, the church would not have survived. And church, it is still true today. With I don't know if you've noticed, but with the darkness and the evil that surrounds us, even the darkness and evil that resides within my own flesh, this baptism, it is vital to living the life that God has called us to live. So number one, baptism of the Holy Spirit gives us power, the power of God to live for him, to be a witness for him. Number two, does God intend for every believer to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit? You bet. It's what you see in scriptures. These early apostles and Christ followers, they saw it just as a normal part of the Christian walk. As it's the, the idea, as, and I'll read some passages, but they would walk and, and kind of you know, do their ministry and, and, and hang out with different people. And if they saw that you hadn't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, do you remember what they'd do? They would lay hands on you and you'd be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Like it was such a normal thing to them to have people baptized in the Holy Spirit. And listen, listen to this. It says in Acts chapter 8, the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God. They sent... Then Peter and John, Peter and John, they're pretty cool guys to send. So Peter and John are coming down. They pray for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they began laying hands on them. And then they what? They received the Holy Spirit. See it also in chapter 9 of Acts. It happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country. He came to Ephesus. He found some disciples. He said, hey, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? 
And they said to him, no, we have not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. I love that. Just on, we haven't even heard if there is a Holy Spirit. He said, well, then into what then were you baptized? And they said into John's baptism. And Paul goes, OK, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him. That is in Jesus. And when they heard this, they're baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands upon them, the Holy Spirit, what came on them and they began speaking in tongues. They began to prophesy. I want you to hear that this morning. This baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's meant to be a normal part of being a Christ follower. It's not just for the super spiritual wackos. You're meant to receive power from on high to help you to live as Christ's witness on this earth. And as your pastor, I'm going to have the same mindset as these early apostles. If you're a disciple of Jesus who has yet to receive this Holy Spirit baptism and you want it, guess what? Just like the Apostle Paul, I'm going to lay hands on you and I'm going to pray that you would receive this coming upon or the fullness in the Spirit. And it's such a good thing. Church, if we want to have a godly influence in this community, and I know so many of you do, just like me, right? We've got to desire and welcome the baptism of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we've got to get on the same page on this one. It is for everyone, not just the king, not just the weird prophets who eat scrolls or the religious fanatics who live in caves or senior pastors who like the mariners. It's for everyone, young, old, men, women. All right, number three is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I love this question. An experience distinct from and subsequent to regeneration. So it is, a, is it a separate event from our conversion? Yes, it is. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit, is, it is an experience separate from your regeneration. Regeneration, we talk about that a lot. It's just the idea of new birth, that when you become a Christian, and when you receive the Lord as your, or you receive Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, what happens? A beautiful thing happens. Uh, regeneration, a new birth. You've heard it said, the Christianese idea of being born again. Right? I'm a born again believer. The old is gone. The new has come. Well, I'm a new creation. We're even told that the Holy Spirit comes and takes residence in you. He, he guarantees you an inheritance in heaven. It's a beautiful thing, this regeneration. But it's an experience that is different than the baptism of the Holy Spirit. New birth and baptism in the Holy Spirit. Um, this is what I've witnessed in my own life, and I think you also see this in, in the Bible, that often these two things, the new birth and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, chronologically, they happen right after one another. Often. You see that again and again. I've seen it in personal experience, where someone receives the Lord, accepts Jesus, and then they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. But it's important to see that these are not simultaneous um, experiences or expressions, and they're also not synonymous. They're different expressions. And you see this in the passages we just read. The apostles would come across disciples of Jesus. They had not yet received the baptism of the Spirit. The apostles would lay hands on the people. And then they would receive the Holy Spirit. Dennis Bennett. Anyone familiar with Dennis Bennett? Nine o'clock in the morning. A book that he read is awesome. Or a book that he wrote. Episcopalian priest back in the 1960s. And uh-oh, Holy Spirit comes upon him. He starts speaking in tongues. Now he's got to figure out what he's going to do with this because it's probably not the most popular thing in his denomination. And you see this charismatic renewal, uh, this amazing pouring out of the Spirit in the 60s. Um, he says this about these two experiences. He says, the first experience of the Christian life, salvation, is the incoming of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ to give us new life, God's life, eternal life. The second experience is the receiving or making welcome 
of the Holy Spirit so that Jesus can cause him to pour out this new life from our spirits to baptize our souls and bodies and then our world around with his refreshing and renewing power. I think that's really well said. When you become a Christian, again, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. We see in Ephesians 1, chapter 13, In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in Him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. So as a new Christian, I mean, this is exciting. I mean, this is a celebration. You are marked by the Holy Spirit. And it is reminding you that you are now a citizen of heaven. That the Holy Spirit is being poured out or upon you as a down payment, a guaranteeing life forever with God. But then there's this second experience of receiving or welcoming of the Holy Spirit. All that He is and all that He wants to be in your life. I've discussed this topic with a lot of people. And I think sometimes we just kind of get caught up in the language of it all, right? The baptism of the Holy Spirit. We try to explain it. Our words fail to explain it well. But if you've experienced it, even though we struggle with words, when we look back at it, we say, that's what that was, right? And, and sometimes I, I still have a tough time explaining it, but we know what happens. It was this experience where we acknowledged the full presence in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, an acknowledgement of His full presence and His gifts. And we experience something like what Jesus talks about in John 38, where He says, within our bellies, I love the word belly, within our, be- within our gut began to flow rivers of living water. Anyone ever experienced that? Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Where within your belly began to flow life. Rivers of living water. So when you become a Christian, I put it this way, you receive the water of God's spirit. But I'd say that you have the Grand Coulee Dam in there. So you got his spirit, but it's just kind of contained. And and when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you are giving God permission to remove the dam. And you begin to just be flooded, submerged in his spirit. And when these early believers were baptized in the spirit, almost every time that you see it, they also write that they spoke in tongues. And I've talked a lot about speaking in tongues uh, as well with many of you. And I wanted to take time to answer a couple of those questions. Um, Dennis Bennett, when he talks about speaking in tongues, he says this. He says it comes with the package. Speaking in tongues is not the baptism in the Holy Spirit, but it is what happens when and as you are baptized in the Spirit and becomes an important resource to help you continue, as Paul says, to keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. You don't have to speak in tongues, he says, in order to be saved. You don't have to speak in tongues in order to have the Holy Spirit in you. You don't have to speak in tongues to have times of feeling filled with the Holy Spirit. But if you want the free and full outpouring that is the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you must expect it to happen as in Scripture. So I would ask the question, can every believer speak in tongues? Yes. A resounding yes. God's Word... encourages every believer to seek Jesus as the baptizer in the Holy Spirit, to be open to this experience, to eagerly desire it. Acts 2.4 tells us that all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And with speaking in tongues, again, I feel like I've been able to talk about this a lot with different people. It's Please, it's more than just a spiritual checklist where you check it off to verify that you've really been baptized, right? And it's not just some religious trick that you perform to show off for your friends, right? Please, let it be more than that. As someone who does speak in tongues, 
It is much more than merely just evidence that I've been baptized by the Spirit. I'm telling the church, it is a treasure to my soul. I cherish the ability to speak in tongues. Church, to be able to commune with the Lord in my prayer language, it has brought me through so many difficult and challenging times in my life. Without question, when I am driving to a situation of crisis, whether it be to a marriage that is falling apart, or a family that has just lost a loved one, or a young man or a young woman who is caught in addiction, whatever it might be, you better believe I am praying in the Spirit on the car ride over. Because in those moments, I am at a loss for words. I do not know what to say. And so I began to just shower my praise to the Lord, often with tears in my eyes as my heart breaks for the people involved. I also want to be honest with you. Church, my heart breaks for this world. So often, I just begin to cry for this world as I think about the death and destruction. Those people that are in my life that are destroying themselves with sin. That are destroying themselves with addiction. I do not know what to say. I do not know how to express what my heart is feeling. And so I open up my spirit to His. And as I commune with Him, I praise Him and I worship Him. I thank Him that He is God and I am not. And I pray that His Spirit would move. That His Spirit would move in me and His Spirit would move through me. And I'm so thankful that the Lord has made a way for me to express the deeper yearnings of my soul to Him in those moments. It's also worthy to be an expression found in my joyous moments. The most joyous moments of my life. You better believe it. When my two daughters were born in, those, in, in that hospital room, when I held them for the first time, I began to just speak in, in tongues and praise the Lord for what He has done. Often, I, this is uh, something maybe a lot of you would agree with me, often in extended times of worship, I'll begin to speak in tongues because it's at that point when I've just run out of words from the English dictionary to speak to my God. And so I begin to speak these words, this prayer language, this song in the Spirit to the Lord, expressing my spirit to His, praising Him in the Spirit. And I desire that for every one of you. Again, it's not just for the really religious people who are kind of weird and strange. You need to understand that speaking in tongues, it is a dimension of the Christian walk intended for every believer. It is a daily resource that we have in Christ. The Apostle Paul, whom we think is pretty amazing, right? We, we listen to him. We follow what he says. Remember what he said in 1 Corinthians? He said that he thanks God that he speaks in tongues more than anybody else. So it's not something to be scared of. It's not something to, you know, preach against. It's something to be welcomed. I know you. I love you. You are amazing people. Relax. Allow the Lord to minister to you. And give you what He wants to give you. In fact, if you've never spoken in tongues, the way I think about it, I'm excited for you. I'm excited because the Lord desires to pour out His Spirit on you. And He wants to give you the spiritual language to commune with Him. So I'll just say, get excited. Eagerly. Desire the gifts of the Spirit. It's not something to be afraid of. And by the way, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not a lesser person. You're not a lesser Christian. You know me. I've known a lot of you for years. I've never ridiculed you. I've never put you down. I've never questioned your faith if you don't speak in tongues. I'm not going to force you to try to speak in tongues. You know that about me as well. I'm never like, no, try again and do it one more time. No. And, and this is actually where I differ from a lot of Pentecostals. But if you don't speak in tongues, I'm not going to tell you that you haven't been baptized in the Spirit. 
Because this is how I feel about that. That is not for me to say. It is a personal experience. It is between you and the Lord. It is an experience that you have with God. I'm not going to judge your experience with God. And I've, I've learned something. I've tasted. And did you know that the Lord is good? And if he's good, then I have a confidence that he is actually going to give you what you need. I actually have a confidence that Jesus Christ, the hope of glory who is in you, is going to give you what you need. I have such a confidence that he is not against you, but he is for you. That he's going to give you what you need. I have such a confidence that he who began a good work is faithful to complete it in Christ Jesus, that I know that he's going to give you what you need. This means if I pray for you to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit and you do not speak in tongues, it's not going to stress me out. It's not going to discourage me. I honestly believe that as you open up your heart to all that he is and you say, Lord, unleash your spirit all over my life. I believe the answer to that question and that petition always is yes. That's what I believe. If you ask the Lord, would you fill me with the fullness of your spirit? He is so eager to give you what you need that he will always say yes to that question, the desires of your heart. He loves your heart when your heart longs for him and yearns for him and he will wash you and he will cover you. He will submerge you in his spirit. I've been a Christian for as long as I can remember, but I wasn't baptized in the Holy Spirit until I was 18. So 18. And when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, when I went to that meeting that night, I didn't come into that meeting thinking, tonight... I'm going to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Tonight is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And by the way, when the experience was happening, I wasn't like, I am being baptized in the Holy Spirit. That happens. You bet that happens. You know, you've been to the revivals where they're like, I want to be baptized. And then you're baptized. You're like, hey, now I'm baptized. Hey, that's really cool. That couldn't have happened for me because I had no clue what that even was. I, I spent the first 17 years of my life in a Presbyterian church. And this was a wonderful, great Presbyterian church. But do you know how many times they talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? That's right. 200 points to the man in the front. Zero. And then here I am. I'm going this night. And it's this passion event. If you're familiar with passion, Louis Giglio. And it started back in 1995. And this is 1998. And so this is right towards the beginning of this movement. And all I knew is that there was going to be this worship night. But I remember... I had such a longing to know God more. If you want to call me fertile soil, that's what I was. I mean, I had a longing to know God more. The service, this meeting, it was in downtown Seattle. I live in South Auburn. And I drove by myself in my gray Ford Tempo with red interior. I'm driving out to downtown Seattle. I'm a senior in high school. I'm going to meet my sister and her husband who... We're both at Central Washington University. And I drove myself up there because I had such a yearning for God. I loved God. I had a beating passion within me to know Him more. And again, I'm spending the first 17 years of my life in this Presbyterian church. Great church. But my parents, by the way, they were definitely spirit-filled believers. You saw them speaking in tongues. But outside of my family, that was the only time I'd ever seen it was in my family. In fact, the only other experience I had with the Holy Spirit was I knew that this family that I knew growing up was kicked out of their church because they went to a meeting and when the person prayed for them, they fell over 
And, and the church they went to said that if you fall over, that's of the devil, not of God. And you had to renounce what you did. And the family said, we can't renounce that. The Lord touched us. And, and so they got kicked out of the church. So those are my experiences at this time with, with tongues and, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and those types of things. So I come in there hungering for him. And for the first time in my life, I saw hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of college students desiring God to pour out into their lives. It was the first time I'd ever seen it where people had their hands raised to the Lord. An entire room. It was the first time I'd ever seen tears going down people's faces as they worshipped God. There was a time in the service where I saw almost every person on their knees before God, praising Him and worshipping Him. Church, these were expressions that I had longed for in such a deep way. But I didn't know if it was okay to express the deeper longings in my heart to praise God in that way. And when I saw it that night, I knew that my heart had found what I was looking for. There was a time in that spirit where the spirit was so thick in that place. And just in a tangible way, again, it's hard. We, we try to describe these moments. Our words fail to describe these moments. But you know what I'm talking about, where the spirit is just there. And it, he was there in such a way that it was quiet. It was as if he was hovering in that room. Again, these are called the 18, 19, 20 year olds. Hundreds of us. It's quiet. It was the first time that I heard wailing before the Lord. Never forget it. In the quiet. Just the heart and the soul of an 18 or 19 year old man just wailing before God in sorrow and repentance. And a life longing to know God more. Most of these kids, by the way, this, this wasn't a Pentecostal meeting. Most of these kids came from mainline denominations. No one even said a word about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm just telling you, nothing even close. But the Holy Spirit came upon me. He came upon me in fullness. And I also want you to know I didn't speak in tongues. See, right before that, I had started leading worship for my brother at Evergreen Foursquare. Again, 17 years, Presbyterian Church. My brother asked me when I'm 17, hey, Dan, do you want to lead worship for me? I'm like, I'm not leading worship for you. Well, if it's you or the tape deck, well, I guess I'll do it. So then, so I did it. That's exactly how it went. We were playing pool in his in-law's basement. And so here we go. I did the best I could. It was an exciting time. Actually, a very exciting time. Especially since I was going through puberty. Have you ever tried singing the high notes going through puberty? It, it, it was truly an exciting time. And I was faithfully leading people into worship the best I knew. And then this night happens. I'm just telling you, after that night with those college students, everything changed. I received a boldness for God that was unlike anything I had ever had before. The worship times that I was leading, they radically changed. Again, it's hard to describe it, but there was a power in the times of ministering like I'd never before experienced. God was moving in and through ministry like never before. And this isn't about me, right? This is a God thing. It's about God coming upon me in fullness. But looking back, I can say with all confidence, full confidence, that that night set my course for ministry. It was day one of my new life of service to the Lord, forever a servant after the experience. But again, I didn't speak in tongues that night. I want you to hear that. Again, no one told me about this baptism of the Holy Spirit. No one told me or talked about it at this event, and I didn't speak in tongues. Now, theologically, I believe that I could have. I honestly believe that you find that in Scripture. With the fullness of the Spirit coming upon you, speaking in tongues, it's one of the things that is available to you. It was available to me, but I didn't speak in tongues. 
See, God doesn't force you. He, he didn't take over my body as if I was a robot and make me say certain things. But God's timing... Listen to this. I'm going to share it. It's not that exciting, but I'm going to share it. So I didn't speak in tongues for almost another year. But this is how I ended up speaking in tongues. So I'm in this new season. I, I know something happened. Everything's different. Everything's coming alive. My ministry is changing. When I read the Bible, for those of you who have been baptized in the Spirit, the next time that you read the Bible, have you noticed? You're like, wow! Whoa! This was in there? Like, it just changes everything. So here I am. I'm reading the Bible and I'm reading the book of Acts. You can only imagine what happened. I read the book of Acts. I see that the believers and the early believers, that they speak in tongues when they're filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. I want that. And then I did it. That's how boring my story is. I read it. said, that's cool. And then I started praying to God in tongues. Yeah, I, I know. It's not that exciting. But I, that's what happened. I, I, I longed for it. I wanted it. And I began to speak to the Lord. And I've been growing in my prayer language and praying in the Spirit ever since. First time I ever sang in the Spirit was 10 years later. So 1998. 10 years later, 2008, at Life, Life Center North in, uh, in Spokane. We're having a men's retreat and I'm leading worship. And the men, they're praying for other men. And a song just began to rise up in my spirit. And I began to sing to Him in the Spirit. It's amazing that it only happened seven years ago because now I sing in the Spirit all the time. It's one of my favorite things to do. But you've got to understand, this kind of thing happening at Life Center North, this was a big deal. So a lot of us that were on this stage come from that church. And this is a big deal. We didn't really do things like that very often at the church. And yet God's Spirit was moving in a way that was much bigger than any of us. So here I am. I'm singing in the Spirit. People are being prayed for. People are falling over in the Spirit. A man who a week before that, named Kyle Johnson, told me that he didn't like it. Like, I'm never doing that. I'm never following the Spirit. And a week before I said, hey, I, will you, do you want to receive the, receive the Holy Spirit baptism? He goes, sure. And so I prayed for him. And I was like, hey, did you experience anything? He goes, kind of a tingling. And like, my faith has increased. I was like, great. All right. Seven days later, I'm singing in the Spirit. Guys praying for people. And K.J. Johnson, growing up in this conservative church, bam, down on the ground. Isn't that awesome? So poor Pastor Mike, like a week after that, he's having to have all these meetings with guys. who are like, hey, I don't know about what happened there. I really don't like the direction we're heading as a church. Is this going to be the normal thing? And, you know, Mike had to reassure them that he wasn't, you know, the vision and the heart of the church. They weren't going to try to make people fall over on, on church every Sunday morning. But, but what I like when I talked to Mike about it is he also had to explain to them that God is God. And sometimes God moves in ways that are beyond what you could imagine. Kind of saying, if you have a problem with that, then you probably have a problem with God. So yes, every believer can speak in tongues. I wouldn't stress out too much if you currently don't speak in tongues. If you have a heart for the Lord, just be open to it. Know that it's a wonderful, wonderful thing that the Lord wants to give you. Most of you know my wife doesn't speak in tongues. And yet my wife is the most amazing Christian that I know. There's not a better person, a better Christ follower in this world on the planet than my wife. And yet she does not speak in tongues. Do you think my wife goes around telling everyone about the dangers of speaking in tongues and how awful it is and how you know, evil it is? Never. Do you know how many times we have prayed that the Lord would give her a prayer language? So many times. Her heart is for the Lord. If you know my beautiful bride, she was even saying the other day, she goes, Dan, I think I might want to get baptized again. I just want the world to know that I am his follower that I am for Jesus Christ. A beautiful heart. And so we believe in God's timing that He will give her the ability to speak in tongues. 
So what is the purpose of speaking in tongues? Well, it has several purposes, including, number one, it's a worthy expression of praise to God. You see this in Acts 2.11. Both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues, what? The mighty works of God. Declaring who God is. 1 Corinthians 14, Paul tells us that we give thanks with our spirit when we are speaking in tongues. So we're giving thanks, we're praising Him, we're declaring His works. Number two, a gift. It is a gift assisting us to pray according to the will of God. I kind of explained this and described this in my own life, but Romans 8.26 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Have you ever felt like you were in a moment of weakness? Oh my goodness, right? But we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Anyone else be there besides myself? Absolutely. But the Spirit, thank you for the Spirit Himself, intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. And number three, it is a gift available to all of us until the return of Jesus Christ. Um, I wanted to read from 1 Corinthians 13. This is the love passage, right? The one that we read at uh, weddings. And he says, love never ends. Hallelujah. And he's just saying that love never ends. It's it, one thing remains, his love. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, Jesus Christ, the partial will pass away. So until that day, until the return of Jesus, I'm going to encourage every one of us to speak in tongues. Church, that we would allow it in our lives for praise and prayer to God. Number seven. Or actually not number seven. Sorry. Another question. Are there different uses for the gift of tongues? Again, something I've talked a lot about with many of you. Uh, I think the New Testament shows us there's a couple of different uses for tongues. First, we have the gift of tongues as a public exercise, not granted to all believers. That comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It talks about the different gifts that are distributed by the Spirit. Right? You've read that before. Him, him alone deciding which gift each person should have. And this includes speaking in tongues. It includes the interpretation of tongues. And this public speaking of tongues that is always needing an interpretation. Right? And always needing an interpretation. But then you also have the believer's private speaking in tongues to God. In 1 Corinthians, we see him saying, For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands what he's talking about, but he mutters mysteries in the spirit. And this, so this personal speaking in tongues, it's something that strengthens you personally and individually. It is praise to God and it is prayer. I want to add one more thing. And for those of you that speak in tongues, you know what I'm talking about. It is also, it's praise, it's prayer, it's also spiritual warfare. Often in churches, we talk about putting on the full armor of God. Man, we sell people short. Often in churches, we talk about putting on the full armor of God, but we ignore a part of the armor. Listen to this. This is is what the scripture says. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Whoa. Have you ever read that scripture before and thought about, wow, are you kidding me? 
Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Wow, I, I want the whole armor of God if that's what it's going to be like. That you may be able to stand and withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Hallelujah. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. And it's as if that verse didn't exist. Every denomination has the posters talking about the full armor of God, yet it declares it with a pretty bow at the end saying, and all of this, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. I have two quick examples for you of me just praying. I believe it was spiritual warfare. Uh, I had a time, and most of you know this, where I was stuck on the beach with my van. And it was all my air. Like, no one to blame except for myself getting my van stuck on the beach. The water starts to come up towards my van and kind of under the van. And my family's crying. Well, my littlest ones are crying. My wife's saying other things. And... <laughs> and so I call the place like we need help and the sheriff comes out. The sheriff says, here's the deal. We only have one tow truck here. He is actually helping another car that is actually in the ocean with an old man in the car, stuck in the car, bobbing up and down. So you're going to have to wait. He goes, but here's the deal. It's here right now in about, uh, he said, in about 45 minutes, it's going to be about another 50, 75 feet past your van. Just so you know, you're going to want to clear out all the stuff on the bottom of your van. So I just start unloading stuff. The kids go away. Now I'm by myself. For 30, 40 minutes by myself. And I'm just telling you, church, it sounds ridiculous and the world will make fun of me. But I put up my arms and my hands and I just declared to the Lord that these waters shall not pass <laughs> past my van. And I shouted it out. I shout, and I wouldn't stop. There was a lady that walked by with her car and she's like, you okay? And as she's saying, you okay? I'm like, blah, blah, blah. you know, I'm just going, for, I'm just praising the Lord. And I'm telling you, that water never made it there. Another example, this marriage conference, it's a big deal. We had people coming to this marriage conference from Ellensburg, from Centralia, from Monroe, from Lacey, from all over this region coming to this marriage conference. And you know that the devil hates marriage and he wants to break it apart. But we know that what God has put together, no man would separate. And so here we are Thursday night in our men's group and we're like, we need to pray for these for this marriage. We need to pray for these people that are going to this conference. And one of our men begins to pray for that conference. And in the middle of him praying, I stood up. You better believe I stood up and I put up my arms and I stood for the marriages in this community as much spiritual authority I might have in this place. I stood with my hands up and I said, no, you shall not take away these marriages. You shall not steal. You shall not divide. You shall not have any power over these marriages. And I proclaimed that and I declared that in a heavenly language and I spoke. And I believe, I believe that we took ground for the kingdom of God. Spiritual warfare, speaking in tongues. So you have the private exercise of this prayer language and you have the public gift of speaking in tongues. We've had people speak in tongues before on a Sunday morning. And in those times, you notice that I wait. Right? I don't say anything. And why am I waiting? For an interpretation. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it doesn't stress me out. It doesn't bother me. I just wait. And sometimes you can pray that you would receive the interpretation yourself, right? That's in Scripture. Or maybe someone else has, ha, has, has that. So I'll just wait. Now, we don't do a lot of that 
on Sunday mornings because we also read Paul. He says, hey, I'd rather speak five understandable words to help others than 10,000 in an unknown language. And often it can just cause confusion in a public service. But you're going to see it a lot at our prayer nights, right? Or you're going to see it on an evening service or a worship night. You bet. Let it flow. You know, absolutely. But I just want you to see there's different tongues, a private and a, and a, and a public. And, and again, I believe God desires for every one of us to be able to pray to him, speak to him and pray in the spirit. So we're open to the Spirit's fullness in our lives. We're given permission. He comes in. He baptizes us. He gives us power from on high. Everyone say power. Power from on high. With this baptism, there's manifestations, including speaking in tongues and prophecy. There's this supernatural boldness to speak His name, to be a witness. And this baptism gives us the ability to live in a supernatural community where we're loving one another, serving one another, giving, fulfilling, meeting each other's needs. We're fulfilling the great commandment and we're going out and doing the great commission. But it doesn't stop with baptism. And I'm not going to be able to go into this today, but how can a believer remain full of the Spirit? The last question, I just want to encourage you. In two weeks, I'm going to be covering this, the idea of living the Spirit-filled life. You're going to want to take as many notes as you can because this is what it's all about, living the day-to-day life of the Spirit. Because the baptism in the Holy Spirit is not intended to be an isolated event. It is the beginning and unleashing of the walk in the Spirit that Paul talks about in Galatians 5.16. It is the beginning of a journey where believers now are daily refreshed, daily strengthened. We have this initial encounter with the Spirit. It awakens us up to a new boldness and a new closeness to God like we've never had before. But like anything... To rely on something from the past would be foolishness. The Lord with His feeling. The idea is not just one-time feeling. It is an idea of daily being filled with the Spirit. That you would cherish it and yearn for it and seek after it. That with everything you do, you go, God, just today would I be led by Your Spirit. Today would I have Your words speaking through me. Today would I have Your actions speaking through my body. Today, Lord, as I seek You in Your Word, as I seek You in prayer, as I seek You in study, as I seek You in worship, Lord, I want to remain full of Your Spirit. Right? That makes sense? And we're going to be talking about that in two weeks. But at this time, with the close of the service, I'm going to ask Joy and the team to come back up. And we're going to sing a song. And during this song, if you desire to be baptized in the Spirit, I want to pray for you. I want you to come down and we will anoint you with oil and I'll pray for you. If you're a believer and maybe you're just kind of feeling like there was a day when you had that happen, you had the fullness of God come upon you, but that day seems like a distant memory... It sounds kind of even the longer you go into life, more like a fairy tale, right? Have you ever had that where, yeah, I think I was baptized in the Spirit. I I think I speak in tongues. I I think that I'm led by the Spirit. The reality is this daily feeling that that the Spirit of God wants to give you is available for you today. I'd love to pray with you about that. So as we sing the song, if everyone would stand, uh, go ahead and stand. And I will be down here. I'm going to ask Ray Wright to be down here as well. And if you want to be prayed for, again, you don't have to stress about it. You don't have to be anxious about it. But if your heart is longing, by the way, if I was sitting out there and I was hearing this message, I would like be running down to be prayed for because the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I do not know how to live this life without his feeling, without his spirit. So I just encourage you as we sing and worship the Lord that he is here. He's available. He's a father of good gifts and he desires to give you what you need.